0: Thank you.
4: Alright, folks. Today is Tuesday, January 9, 2024. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Vice President Kamala Harris stopped in Atlanta today to participate in a roundtable discussion with community leaders focused on the fight for voting rights. Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter, was there, and he'll join us tell us what happened. Democratic congressional campaign committee vows to spend millions of dollars in the 2024 election cycle, targeting. African Americans and other minorities. Hundreds gathered to honor former Texas Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson who was laid to rest today, who actually the funeral was today uh, in Dallas should be laid to rest tomorrow in Austin, Texas. Donald Trump doing his appeal for immunity, his attorney actually said if he could order the assassination of a political rival and not be prosecuted for it unless he was impeached. These folks are crazy. Plus this thug the thug in chief actually said he hoped the economy would tank in the next 12 months so he doesn't have to get blamed for it if he wins. Okay. The SWAC conference is going at it with Grambling over streaming their games on a black-owned platform. Plus, uh, a class action lawsuit has been filed by one of our viewers against an advertiser uh, that the SEC said fraudulently, fraudulently uh, was uh, accepting money for a cannabis uh, project. I'm going to tell you about that as well. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Blackstone Network. Let's go.
5: He's got it.
2: whatever the piss he's on it, whatever it is. Best believe he's knowing Putting it down from sports to news to politics
4: President Kamala Harris was in Atlanta today meeting with national civil rights leaders about the importance of voting. This is, of course, her leaving uh, Air Force Two after it landed uh, there in Atlanta. Uh, The conversation took place uh, at the gathering place uh, and, of course, which is a a black owned uh, establishment. uh, They were there again talking about uh, what really is one of the most crucial issues uh, facing us today you see right there those were a lot of the photos uh, that uh, that took place there we uh, had reached out uh, to find out if they were going to be actually live streaming the event we normally would be carrying that uh, on Roland Martin unfiltered but but they uh, had not uh, done so uh, but again uh, at that particular event she, she was talking about uh, again uh, how critical how critical uh, this election is. Uh, and uh, what we actually are going to have to do to fight those who are trying to keep us from voting. Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter, uh, was in that meeting. He joins us right now. Cliff, glad to have you here. I, I can tell you meet with the vice president because I-, I can't tell you the last time you came on the show dressed in a suit and tie. Uh, so <laughs> I'm like, the Cliff come from church.
6: What's up? All right, so uh, tell us what happened. Yeah, I had to put on my Sunday best. But uh oh, you know, thanks for having me, Roland. Yeah, I mean it was a good conversation, right? You had folks in the room and it was a good combination of Georgia organizations, you know, some of our, our friends and partners, you know, folks like New Georgia Project and um um Helen from People's Coalition for People's Agenda, and and then some national organizations as as well. And you know, it was just a good discussion. The vice president, you know, laid out some of the issues that she wanted to hear about, and really the the conversation was centered on um, security issues, issues around security and intimidation that we know has been taking place and and that we expect to increase over the next ten months or so. Uh, Disinformation, right? We know that that's an increasingly uh big part of what's going to be going on. We know the way that black voters are often targeted with disinformation. And so she wanted to have a conversation around that and and what suggestions we have on things that the administration can can do to help with that. You you may have seen Roland already. You already got some of these black influencers out there um, that are, you know, under the belt of, of these conservatives spreading messages around why black folks don't need to vote in this in this presidential election, right? So they're they're already starting with the with the disinformation, so we gotta be prepared to to counter that and, and certainly Black-owned media like you is, is a big part of that. Um, and then the third piece that, you know, she wanted to talk about was, you know, just suggestions on what's, what's working, what are the outreach mechanisms that, that are working, what do we suggest, and, again, what ways can the administration be more helpful? So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation, and, and the vice president shared some things, you know, talking about some things that the administration has done, particularly on some of these security issues, things that the Department of Justice has done, and, and Roland, you and I know we've talked about like some of the great work that Kristen Clark has been doing at the Civil Rights in Department of Justice, not just on police accountability, but today we talked about some things that they've done around some of these security and, and voter intimidation, and particularly um, around intimidation of poll workers, right? And so they've been very active on that issue, and we expect for that to to increase. So it was it was a good substantive. Discussion, um, and we're looking forward to. And it's, and it's not going to be the last. She'll, she'll be back in Georgia and, and having some other conversations, some other places around the importance of these these voting rights issues.
4: Well, now was this a was this a public gathering? Was it a private one? Was it off the record? Uh, describe the meeting.
6: Yeah, it was. Um, you know, there was a, a brief two minute statement that she made at the start where we're press was available for, but the event, the, the, the round table discussion, which is what they were calling it with all these, these uh, voter mobilization and, and, and voting rights, um, the actual conversation itself was a private conversation. Press was not in the room for that. As you mentioned, it was not being live streamed. And so that was just really a talk amongst folks who are expressing, you know, concerns and suggestions on how we need to deal with these issues that I just outlined.
4: Uh, and, and look, I mean, the, the reality is, uh you know th- they understand look they've got a significant problem uh there were a group of black women who met with president biden uh talking about uh what they have to do you have uh there have been black men who met with the vice president uh also laying out these issues um um, the Democratic uh, Campaign Congressional Committee announced today they're going to be spending 35 million dollars this election cycle, specifically targeting Black, Latino, Asian, and other minority voters. Bottom line is they see their polling numbers, and if you know they they rely on uh, Black voters. Uh, and look, there's a lot of stuff that they've actually done, uh, but what we know and understand is that it's a lot of things that they have not messaged properly on. Uh, and I think, you know, and I've heard this from senior administration officials, that they did a whole lot in, when you look at inflation reduction, at, uh, when you look at uh, CARES, I and mean, we could go on and on and on, and they were passing things, but they were not using the bully pulpit to walk people through to understand what they were actually doing to benefit regular ordinary folks.
6: Yeah, and, and in some cases, not only were they not using the bully pulpit to do that, but then what you what you saw happening, and you've talked about this on your show, is you got Republicans out there then having town halls and, and, and messaging and putting in their newsletters, you know, spending that's taking place on some infrastructure stuff that they're taking credit for, even though, as you know, not a single one of them, not a single one of them voted for it, um, um, particularly in the House. And so, uh, so yeah, there's definitely... A messaging gap, and 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 part of that has to be dealt with in terms of doing a better, you know, and and some of it rolling is because of what you talked about. There's actually been a lot of things that that have been done, some of which, m- much of which, specifically benefits um, black communities, right? Infrastructure, uh, climate change, right? Uh, even student debt cancellation, which is not taking place at the Based on the president's original plan, but it's still taking place at some historic levels. I got folks calling me up every other week talking about they they got this amount of debt, you know, canceled and that amount of debt canceled. And so some of it is because there's been so much um, that sometimes you can get lost just in in the different things that have been done. The you know, and Democrats are really bad because they want to get into the policy and the nuances and all that. And you know, whereas the other side, you know, oftentimes they're just real real basic with their messaging. And so there's a messaging issue in terms of what is the message. There's also an issue in terms of like how frequently it's put out there. Like how much are you touching black voters to deliver these messages? And then as you know, where are you delivering these messages? Are you delivering it in the right places? Are you delivering it on on Black Star Network? Are you delivering it on on other um, uh, black media? And so it's what's the message, how frequently you're doing it, and where are you doing it, and when they can really get um, focused on, on that, and then which other groups, which local groups are you supporting to help them deliver some of these messages, right? When they can really deal with those four issues, um, then I think that you know the messaging problem will get a little bit better. And, of course, as the closer you get to an election, the, the better it gets. But part of what we always say at Black Voters Matter is, you shouldn't have to wait until after the Democratic convention in August. You shouldn't have to wait till September or October. That messaging has to start yesterday, right? Not even today. That message is needed to needed to start yesterday. So there's got to be improvement on, on all that. But the, the irony is that they've actually got some substance that they can talk about, not everything that we want and then some things um, that, you know, that, that, that where they've really fallen short. But there's a lot. Of substance that's been done, and they've just got to find a way to message better around it.
4: Um, uh, Absolutely, and and look, um, you have people who are who are angry, who are upset, who are uh, who are bitter. Uh, Even even we talked about before what what is taking place between Israel and Gaza and the Palestinians there. Uh, When I post things, people start going off uh, and send all kinds of different stuff, And, and a lot of it's BS. A lot of it is BS, a lot of it is just folks uh, who will who, who complain about anything and everything. Uh, but I do believe though, uh, and I say this all the time, we talk about uh, elections. And, and, I, and it trips me out when I hear these people who say, oh, I'm gonna vote third party, we gotta have a third party, or I'm just not gonna vote at all. And I just keep reminding them, I say, I'm said, "I say, I'm gonna tell you right now, somebody's going to win. And, and I can guarantee you, and I've looked at Project 2025, all the Republicans are saying, you got Donald Trump out here, we're we'll gonna talk about this a little bit later, saying he doesn't have a problem if the economy crashes in the next 12 months. They literally want to see America go through hell. And uh, I've yet to see anything, and I know there's people out there in the hood talking about uh, the STEMIs and all oh, the checks and the money that came when Trump was in there, passed by Congress, led by Democrats in the House, but Republicans, they plan on cutting everything. So all the people who somehow think checks are going to start raining down on the black community if Trump gets in, they
6: are delusional. Yeah, not not only delusional, not only is that not going to happen, but the exact opposite is going to happen. You're going to see massive Disinvestment from the black community, and guess what? It, this isn't like hyperbole, and this isn't conspiracy. It's already happening. Think about like the things that's on like the Republican platform. Um, they're 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 against affirmative action and DEI, right? They. They, you know, if you weren't clear about that, then certainly the actions over the past couple of weeks in terms of uh, Claudine Gay and, 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 and all of these attacks that we're seeing on, on DEI. So they're against the affirmative action of DEI. That's what? That's economic. That, like That's actually dollars in our pocket when you take that away. They're against money for uh, Black farmers. They're against money for HBCUs. They're against increasing the living wage, particularly um, in in cities that are often disproportionately Black. Even when those cities have actually voted for it, they block it, right? That's money in our pockets is being taken away. Issue after, they're against decreasing the price of insulin, even though Black communities are disproportionately impacted by diabetes. So that's a health issue, but that's also what? That's an economic issue. Issue after issue. These are economic issues that are impacting our pockets, our quality of life. Yes, our rights, our civil rights, but also like our economic well-being. And so, the, the kind of disinvestment that you're talking about l- later for some stimulus checks, which, as you said, he wasn't even for. His party was against. And then when he when he couldn't stop it, then he says, "Oh well, put my name on it." And then, and then we get you know, uh, uh, you know, fooled into thinking that that's something that he actually made happen. So the the levels of disinvestment that our communities will see. You know, this is this is not a game. This is not a joke. And, 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 and that's before we even get into the other issues around civil rights, voting rights, the attacks on Black history, uh, the attacks on abortion rights, and all these other issues. So whether you look at it from the economic perspective or whether you look at it from the social, civil rights, voting rights perspective, um, another four years of, of, of that would be absolutely disastrous. And those who say that, well, we made it through the first four, they don't have an understanding of what, if you put an emboldened Trump and an emboldened Republican Party back in control after everything that they did illegally, um, after all of the racism, right, after all of the attacks on on our economic well-being, if you put them back in there, it will be entirely different ball game.
4: So Cliff, what do you say, final question for you, what do you say to these people who go, oh man, oh y'all little scare tactics, y'all just using scare tactics, and you just trying to see the end cape for the Dems, and you want to support them. Uh, people say that stuff, and I go, oh no, no, it's not a scare tactic. I'm telling you what the hell's gonna happen.
6: Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a scare tactic when it's facts, right? You know, you talk about you got receipts, right? There's actually receipts on, on all this. So it's not a scare tactic. Now, with that said, I do agree with this. We can't just speak to our people from a from a perspective of how bad things can get. We can't just speak to our people from a, from a perspective of, of, of just fear and being afraid. We've always got to speak to our communities around, you know, all this is going on and this is what the plan is and this is what they did and this is what they want to do. But guess what? We've got the power to change all that. We've got the power not just to keep the bad stuff from happening, but for fighting for an entirely different vision of what the society can look like, what our communities could look like, what our communities could look like with investment, with economic opportunities, with history, with education, with all these things, with with, with police accountability. You know, we've um, got—we've got to speak to our folks from a perspective of love and perspective of hope and a perspective of power, not 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 you know conceptually, but in terms of like some real substance and some real issues. When we can have those kinds of discussions, then what our history shows is our, our people respond, but it takes time to have those discussions. It takes work to have those discussions and it takes resources to have those discussions.
4: Uh, and I'll say this here, uh, and we had on the brothers, the co-founder of the uh, Black and Brown um, um, uh, summit, uh, that d- the debate in Iowa. Re- no, Republican, Rep- no Republicans are showing up uh, to that. Uh, and here's the deal, Republicans don't call Black Voters Matter to sit down and talk about issues. Uh, and so when I hear these people say, well, they're all the same, well, I can tell you this here. You can actually have conversations at the White House with Biden or with Vice President Kamala Harris. Republicans, they don't invite us. And I gotta, if I gotta pull a video up, I will show black people the crazy black people they had like Raynard Jackson and that other nutcase girl uh, out of Atlanta. They have folk at the table who don't know black folk, know or respect.
6: That's right. And at the end of the day, like you said, Roland, you've got to be able to have those discussions. You've got to be able to disagree with folks sometimes and be able to be in a space with them where you can tell them, look, we disagree. you got to be in a space with folks where you can tell them, look, you've done some good things, but guess what? We need you to do some more. Right? And so that's part of what this process, that's part of what accountability is. like. It doesn't mean that you only support folks that are right 100% of the times that are with you 100% of the time, that you never have disagreements with, but you got to at least be in discussion so that you can have that accountability, so that you can call them, um, call them in. I won't say call them out, but to call them in. And when you Got some folks that are running on anti-blackness. You can't have that discussion. But when you've got somebody uh, uh, like this administration, like a vice president, that will come and sit down and have that discussion, then you've got a chance to actually use your influence and to get. And we can we can actually show situations where we've been able. I'm saying we as a as a movement have been able to move them on certain things, where they've actually moved to the left, where they've, where they've been more aggressive on some positions, where, where it came out belatedly, but eventually Biden came out against the filibuster to get voting rights. It took them too long to do it, but you've got to be in discussion to even make that happen. We can't have that discussion with some folks that are literally running on anti-Blackness. So, no, you, we, we can't make perfection the enemy of the good. That doesn't mean that you that you don't call people in, that you don't hold them accountable, that you don't have some hard discussions. That's a part of what this process is like. Absolutely. Cliff Albright, appreciate it, my brother. All right, appreciate you.
1: My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22.
2: It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
7: Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from the Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning.
8: We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with. That's what I like.
7: Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at ninety two point three WCOL.
8: Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.
7: Thanks
4: a bunch, folks. Go on to a break. We'll be right back on Rolling the Unfiltered, right here on the Black Star Network.
9: Next on The Frequency, we're talking Black women in fashion. My guest, Renee Wilson, is speaking on the challenges of starting her own fashion line.
10: So I wanted to really be able to design the clothes, but add a modern twist to it so that we could wear these patterns in everyday wear and not just reserve it for our formal ceremony.
9: That's next on The Frequency on the Black Star Network.
11: This week on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, reparation, is it finally time? Two of the country's foremost authorities on the subject will join me to try to answer that very question. Powerful installment of The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, right here, only on the Black Star Network.
10: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we're talking about the difficulty of being able to acquire wealth for black Americans. My guest, Emily Flitter, is the author of The White Wall, How Big Finance is Bankrupting Black America.
8: The bad stuff that you feel when you're dealing with the financial services industry is not your fault. It's not your fault, and you don't deserve to be treated like this. That's
10: right here on Get Wealthy, only on
0: Blackstar Network. I'm Faraji Muhammad, live from L.A. I am Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar on Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. Right now, I'm rolling
3: with Roland Martin, unfiltered, uncut, unplugged, and undamn
4: believable. You hear me? Folks, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee says it will spend at least $35 million this election cycle to persuade and mobilize voters of color to help the party win control of the U.S. House in November. Of course, they are tasked with financing and helping Democrats win House elections. They've dubbed the effort to reach Latino, Black, Asian American, Pacific Islander, and Native Amer- Hawaiian voters as power of the people. The investment includes research and polling, creating multilingual media, and organizing with local leaders. Uh, with P- they will, of course, they will focus uh, on a variety of areas. Let's talk about this with uh, of my panelists today, glad to have them. Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice at the EPA, out of D.C. Randy Bryant, DEI disruptor, also out of D.C. Glad to have both of y'all here. All right, so, so, is, so he, here's the deal, uh, Mustafa. We've talked about this, obviously, during the midterm elections in 2022. Now we're in 2024. Uh, you've got, of course, uh, you've got uh, billions that are spent. In the last election, they said some $9 billion. Uh, it's gonna exceed easily 10 billion this time. And we're talking about the presidential campaigns, gubernatorial campaigns, congressional campaigns, U.S. Senate campaigns. We're talking about state races. We're talking about uh, PACs, environmental lobby, uh, uh, the pro-choice, anti-abortion, we can go on and on and on. Uh, and the reality is, what has historically happened is little dollars have been spent targeting African Americans, and there's sort of been the sort of the same messaging. The reality is you're now in a situation where you have to now micro-target. You're literally having to sit here and go, okay, how do we message to voters? Okay, voters 65 plus, they largely who are black largely identify as Democrat. Once you go 55 and under, that whole thing changes. And so you're gonna have to see a completely different election strategy to get out black voters and other voters?
7: Yeah, without a doubt. You know, we know that, you know, the numbers that you mentioned, you know, the significance of the billions of dollars that go inside of these elections. The question becomes, how are we going to redistribute those dollars to make sure that we're reaching the spaces and places that one need them the most and the people uh, who are living inside of those communities? And unfortunately, in the past, they haven't made the right sets of investments. So now the writing's on the wall. We see the numbers that are out there, you know, for African-Americans, for black folks, you know, that they're beginning to move away or maybe not vote at all. Same thing with the Latino community, same thing with younger voters. So as you said, you gotta get really targeted. And that means that you've gotta be able to make sure that the institutions and the media entities um, who have the, the voice of the communities, who are connected with the communities are actually getting those resources. But you have to take it a step further because you also got to move away from the talking points. You've got to actually get down to the bread and butter issues that folks care about. Right now, folks are, are worried when they go to the grocery store. So you've got to be able to make sure that the messaging is addressing that. you got to make sure that the messaging is also addressing people trying to pay the rent you got to make sure the people who got to ride the bus or the subway to work. So you've got to make sure that that pinpointed messaging um, is being done, but you also got to make sure that you're supporting those entities that have the trust of the community and will listen to the community so that you can get that message there.
4: You know what, Randy, uh, you have—and look, and I've said this before, and and I'm going to say it again on a lot of these campaigns— it looks like corporate America, you've got largely white folks at the top, sprinkle in a few people of color. Uh, and I've said before, uh, if uh, Democrats, if you really wanna win, you better listen to black people, you better employ black people, you better fund black people uh, because at the end of the day, uh, they're gonna need every single vote. You've got a fired up right wing base. I don't, I, I, I don't believe, I still don't believe independent voters are gonna go for Donald Trump's BS, especially with the stuff that he's been saying. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but the bottom line is, the investment that has happened before, that, that investment simply uh, w- will not work this year. Fat Joe had a comment when he says, yesterday's price ain't today's price. Well, that's the same. They're going to have to spend a hell of a lot more money to get folks out. The old way of reaching black voters, that is gone. You cannot just pop into some churches, go to some civil rights organizations, and there you go. Nope, it ain't going to work.
9: Absolutely agree with you. They need to throw out the, the old playbook entirely, like burn that thing. And I believe, just like what you said, is that there is no diversity when it comes to reaching diverse people. And that's quite sad. And I'm, I'm always shocked at the arrogance that some people think that they know Black people even more than Black people know themselves. and they will very just quickly speak up and say, this is how we need to reach Black people. Well, how do you really know? Seriously, like, what? what, from what knowledge are you pulling from? They're pulling from the old playbook. And so they need to recognize that we have a base. Our Black people are much more involved in some ways, thanks to social media. We are getting information all of the time. And people oftentimes don't research what they've read. So that's something that they also need to work against some of the misinformation that's going out. And what are the what are the issues that we care about? You know, I, I get sick and tired of people just assuming that Black people are they have us in the bag, right? That they can count on us. We are loyal, but we also are interested and engaged and and worthy of being attended to, and they have to do it. So I am hoping that they look at what matters to us this year and get that information from Black people, right, not from these people that make tons of money that have one Black friend, (laughs) Okay, Um, But they really listen to the pulse of Black America and address those specific issues, like you said, our grocery store prices.
4: And and here's the thing that I I, I make plain, uh, Mustafa, when we're talking about uh, the the elections. First of all, no political party, no candidate is perfect. Uh, But what I do do is, and I've never self-identified, I've never never worked for a politician, I've never worked for a campaign, uh, but what I do look at is what are the issues that matter, not just to me personally that will benefit me, because, I could easily sit here and say, oh, if it's just about me, sure. The tax cuts that Donald Trump put, put through, oh, that helped my business, that helped me personally. That didn't help black people. Uh, and so how we make decisions are, are critical. Uh, and when I look at this election, and I've said to people, I said, RFK Jr. ain't got a shot. Cornell West ain't got a shot. Marianne Williamson, Dean Phillips, they ain't got a shot. This election, barring anything health-wise or whatever, is likely going to be a repeat of 2020. And it's going to be Biden versus Trump. And I look at how many black judges did Trump appoint? How many black judges did Biden appoint? Money went to HBCUs, healthcare, education. I can go on and on and on. And so that's how I look at I don't get emotional about this. Uh, I don't sit here and uh, go crazy about it. But what I do say is that the vote that I cast is not just about me, it's also about the world that I want my nieces and nephews
7: to have. Well, that gets back to if we truly are communal people or not, you know, we often talk about community, but when it comes down to making decisions, uh, folks often aren't thinking in that same concept. Um, So, you know, we have to, as a community, as a people, make sure that we're actually supporting each other. And through that support means that we are holding folks accountable. So you don't get my vote um, unless you meet the criteria that I set out for the things that I think and that I know are important inside of my community. So that has to be a part also of it. You know, we act, we should be acting as a community, but we also got to make sure that, you know, people are honoring us. And that they are actually walking through, step by step, what they are going to do for our community. And then we make sure there's real accountability in that process. Because if someone doesn't do that, then we should make sure that we are putting forward other candidates um, that we do see uh, you know, value in. Uh, to make sure that we're supporting them. So for me, it's, you know, Janet Jackson said, what have you done for me lately? When I hear that, I'm thinking, what have you done for my community lately? But also, what are you going to do as we move forward to meet the needs that still exist inside of our community? Yep, and also, I mean, and how are you going to behave and how you, when it
4: it comes to voting, when it comes, I mean, look, Florida right now, Is even potentially talking about trying to get rid of uh, mail-in voting. I mean, what these people want to do is shameful because they know, and they've said it publicly, when more people vote, they lose.
12: They've said it. All right, hold tight one second. Uh Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, The real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
4: Uh, That idiot Trump was in D.C. today. Uh, Wait till we tell you what his lawyer said to the D.C. appellate court. And also, Trump says, man... Can the economy please tank in the next 12 months? Y'all, seriously, this fool said that. And if you even think about voting for that idiot after saying that, you were crazy before, you're nuts now. We'll discuss that and more when we come back. Roland Martin unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Be sure to support us in what we do. Join the Bring the Funk fan club. So you're checking money to the PO Box 57196, Washington DC, 20037-0196 Cash App. Dallas RM Unfiltered. PayPal, R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. We'll be right back.
10: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we're talking about the difficulty of being able to acquire wealth for Black Americans. My guest, Emily Flitter, is the author of The White Wall. How big finance is bankrupting Black America.
8: The bad stuff that you feel when you're dealing with the financial services industry is not your fault. It's not your fault and you don't deserve to be treated like this.
10: That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network.
13: Grow your business or career with Grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training and tools. Gain in demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers. Get on a path to in-demand jobs and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program or all six. Earn a Google career certificate to prepare for a job in a high growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31st, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job ready and qualify for in-demand jobs.
6: Farquhar, executive producer
5: of Proud Family. Bruce Smith, creator and executive producer of the Proud Family. Louder and
11: Prouder. You're watching Roland Martin, yeah.
4: Chiefs' attorneys stood before D.C. Appellate Court today arguing that a president could order the assassination of his political rival and couldn't be prosecuted for it unless Congress impeached and convicted him first. Y'all, seriously, listen.
14: ...to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to seal Team 6?
15: He he would have to be and would speedily be, you know... uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal prosecution. But if you weren't, there would be no
14: criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that.
15: Chief Justice's opinion of Marbury against Madison and uh, uh, and our Constitution and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked you a
14: yes, yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached
15: Would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. So so your answer is is no. my answer is qualified. Yes, there is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. And in these exceptional cases, as the OLC memo itself points out from the Department of Justice, you'd expect a speedy impeachment and conviction. But what the founders were much more worried about than using criminal prosecution to discipline presidents was what uh, James Madison calls in Federalist Number 47 the, the you know the, the newfangled and artificial treasons. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes Purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. And of course, that's exactly what we see in this case.
14: I've, I've asked you a, a series of hypotheticals about criminal actions that could be taken by a president and could be considered official acts. And I've asked you, would such a president be subject to criminal prosecution if he's not impeached or convicted? And your answer, your yes or no answer, is no.
15: I, I believe I said qualified, yes, if he's impeached and convicted first. Uh, we my say question the
14: same was, okay, so he's not impeached or conviction and convicted. Let's put that aside. You're saying a president could sell pardons, could sell military secrets, could order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a, a political
15: rival. Sale of military secrets strikes me as something that might not be held to be an official act. The sale of pardons is something that's come up historically okay. and was not prosecuted. your brief so- says that
14: communicating with an executive branch agency is an official act, and communicating with a foreign government is an official act. That's what presidents do.
15: It's a very strange situation. does a very strange as of potential official acts. If you could achieve Justice Mitchell said him as medicine, he said, directly under Article Two, Section one, that the uh, uh, the courts that the president's official acts are quote never examinable by the courts. And he says it like four different times on pages one sixty four to one sixty six. Well, let me ask
14: about that then, counsel, because your position is, as I understand it. If a president is impeached or convicted, impeached and convicted by Congress, then he is subject to criminal prosecution, correct?
15: Yeah, it yeah. be necessary, you said, to criminal prosecution. Is that a yes? Yes. yes? Okay,
14: so therefore he's not completely and absolutely immune because under the procedure that you concede, he can be prosecuted if there's an impeachment and conviction by the Senate.
3: Very,
15: very formidable structural that against the astonishing radical action of prosecuting a former president. With official right. acts.
14: But you're conceding that presidents can be criminally prosecuted under certain circumstances.
15: Specifically, if they're impeached and convicted, I think that's the main branch of the impeachment judgment clause.
14: And isn't that also a concession that a president can be criminally prosecuted for an official act because presidents can be impeached for official acts?
15: under those unique circumstances.
14: Correct. But given that you're conceding that presidents can be criminally prosecuted under certain circumstances, doesn't that narrow the issues before us to can a president be impeached? um, I'm sorry, can a president be prosecuted without first being impeached um, and convicted? Uh, All of your other arguments seem to fall away. Your separation of powers arguments fall away. Your policy arguments fall away if you concede that a president can be criminally prosecuted under some circumstances.
4: I, I really hope y'all understand that what these fools are actually saying is this man can do whatever the hell he wants to do. You've heard him praise dictators. That's exactly what he wants to do and will do if he gets back to the Oval Office. All right. so. He had an interview last night with uh, the shameful, despicable, used to be sane Lou Dobbs, who now has a new show on the My Pillow Dudes uh, channel. That's called Really Crazy after Lou got fired from Fox Business. Listen to what Trump said when it came to what he wants to happen to a booming economy right now. What he wants to happen in the next 12 months. We have an economy that's incredible. We have an economy that's so fragile. And the only reason it's running now is it's running off the fumes of what we did, what the Trumpet, it's just running off the fumes.
15: And when there's a crash, I hope it's gonna be-
12: Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
7: During this next 12 months, because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. The one president, I just don't want to be
4: Herbert Hoover. He actually said, Man, can this economy please crash in the next 12 months so it doesn't happen when I'm president? Here's what I crack up about Randy. So he talks about how it's running on the fumes of him. Dude, Obama handed you a great economy. You tanked it. Then of course, when COVID hit, his reaction was abysmal. We've been digging out of that particular grave. But the fact that anybody would consider, I mean, this is how nut this is how nutty and crazy the Republican Party has become. This man has mocked John McCain, who had his shoulders and arms broken as a POW. He is saying, I hope the economy tanks. So, damn all of y'all and your 401Ks and your jobs and everything, please tank before uh, I get in there because I don't want to have to deal with it. All of this is disqualifying, but for Republicans, hey, he's great.
9: He's a maniacal egomaniac, and he only cares about himself. He only cares about himself, and he has always made that clear. And what just continues to boggle my mind is that there are so many people who praise him as he praises himself. He has no regard for America. He doesn't care about this country. He cares about himself. And it is terrifying that they we have we're actually having hearings to say, can this man get away with anything? I mean, they, that that is what they're arguing, and people are not alarmed that this man wants the right to basically do whatever the heck he wants to do and not in any way face any charges. If that doesn't frighten people, I don't know what's wrong with them. I mean, let me tell you something. I I would love to have somebody love me the way they, that that people love that man, because it's just blind love. Like, he could do whatever, and they still care. I mean, just the simple fact that they look at his hair, that should make him done. But when he speaks, and he uses that word incredible so much, does he have, I mean, his vocabulary is incredibly limited, because incredible is, he uses it in every instance. He he just makes me sick. He just makes me absolutely sick. But, and
4: and here's the deal, I mean, and, and this is why, I say, Mustafa, to any fool who says, yeah, I ain't gonna vote, I don't like what's going on, that's the fool who Republicans want in huge numbers. And that is a danger to everyone.
7: Well, especially to our folks. You know, we gotta make sure, one, that we're reading, and two, that we're looking at the real numbers that are out there. When you have someone who says, that they would like to have the economy crash by something like that. And of course, we know it's our communities. We know that he's not great at fiscal policy. He's not good at economic policy. All you have to do is take a look at the difference between this administration and the former administration. This administration has created significantly more jobs, even after coming out of COVID. So, you know, we just got to really get strategic, but we also got to educate ourselves on these folks who continue to want our vote and just figure out who is it who actually will be more beneficial to our community. Not by any means will they ever be perfect. And we have to continue to push them, but this man would be devastating for our community. If we think that food prices are high now, allow the economy to crash, what do you think's going to happen? If you're having a hard time being able to find a place to live, to either be able to buy a house or even to be able to find an apartment, what do you think is going to happen if the economy crashes? If you're having a difficult time and paying, if you still have student loans or even sending your kids to a school, then what do you think is going to happen if the economy crashes? So we just need to use our common sense and when we're making these decisions,
4: uh, absolutely. All right, folks, hold tight one second. We come back. Uh, black, uh, our uh, black and missing, and we'll talk about Pentagon Secretary of uh, Defense Lord Austin. We now know why he was hospitalized. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're watching Roland Martin unfiltered right here on the Black Star
11: Network. This week on the Black Table with me, Greg Carr. Reparation is it finally? Two of the country's foremost authorities on the subject will join me to try to answer that very question. Powerful installment of The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, right here, only on the Black Star Network.
0: politics the good the bad and the downright ugly so join our community every day at 3 p.m eastern and let your voice be heard hey we're all in this together so let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into it's the culture weekdays at three only on the black star network
16: this is Essence Atkins. This the love king of RB? Raheem Devon. It's me, Sherry
10: Shepard, and you know what you're watching. You're watching Roland Martin unfiltered.
4: Purpose Ward has been missing from his Aurora, Colorado home since December 28th. The 17 year old is 5 feet 8 inches tall, weighs 165 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Purpose Ward is urged to call the Aurora, Colorado Police Department at 303 627 3100. 303 627 3100. You might remember we told you about uh, a, a new law in California. Uh, that deals with uh, black and missing. Uh, of course, um, uh, they passed this law uh, as a way uh, to target those uh, African Americans who often uh, come up missing and don't get the level of attention. It's called the Ebony Alert. It's the Ebony Alert. Uh, and ever since it was put uh, into place, it took place January 1st already, uh, uh, one particular team Uh, actually uh, has been uh, discovered uh, as a result uh, of the ebony alert. Uh, This is uh, from the uh, Fox station in Los Angeles. Uh, Give me a second. I'm going to pull up for a second right here. Uh, You see where they actually said uh, ebony alert uh, leads to recovery of missing Los Angeles girl after airing on uh, Fox 11. Uh, And so this is it here. Ben Crump actually had posted this uh, on his Twitter page. And so, uh, of course, uh, we we appreciate California lawmakers uh, who actually passed uh, that particular law. Uh, And again, black black women and girls make up 18% uh, of missing cases every single year, despite accounting for only 7% of the population. Uh, and it was uh, Stephen Bradford, former state senator, who actually made that possible, and so uh, certainly glad uh, that that took place. Folks, we now know why Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was in the hospital. According to a statement from Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, Austin is being treated for prostate cancer. The statement revealed that the cancer was discovered in early December Quote, as part of Secretary Austin's routinely recommended health screening, um, he has undergone regular prostate-specific antigen surveillance, as a PC, PSA. Changes in the laboratory evaluation in early December 2023 identified prostate cancer, which required treatment. On December 22nd, after consultation with his medical team, he was admitted to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and underwent a minimally invasive surgical procedure called a prostatectomy uh, to treat and cure prostate cancer. He was under general anesthesia during this procedure. Secretary Austin recovered uneventfully from his surgery and returned home the next morning. His prostate cancer was detected early and his prognosis is excellent. The statement goes on to describe the complications Austin experienced on New Year's Day that resulted in him being admitted again and placed in the ICU for close monitoring. Now, uh, it wasn't until today that President Biden was aware that uh, General Austin, retired General Austin, had prostate cancer. Um, Mustafa, I want to start with you. Um, I understand Lord Austin, brothers, 70 years old. I understand the desire for privacy. Um, but there is no way in the world you can be the Secretary of Defense and be diagnosed with cancer, and the President just finds out today. Uh, we're going to go with Mustafa in a second. Randy, I'm going to go to you.
9: You know, I'm not that surprised. I believe that within our community, we are very private more than others about health matters, uh, particularly black men in our community. if I just even think about the black men in my family getting you know your loved ones your, to go to the doctor even is a struggle and I don't know from where that comes. Uh, I, I know there's certainly you know some distrust of the medical community as a whole understandably. Um, so yes, it's something that we should know but I'm not surprised that he held that information close to his chest.
4: You know, and again, I mean, I understand all of that, but he ain't—he ain't me. He's not you. Right. Right. Okay. He is. He is arguably. If you if you want to talk about important cabinet positions, this is likely number one. <laughs> this is, I mean, right. the, sec, the secretary of defense is between secretary of defense, secretary of state. Uh, you could say it's a toss-up. But I dare say this is one of the two most important positions of any administration. Uh, and, again, you got to be more forthcoming. And, and, I, and you've got to have a procedures in place. The White House has reminded all cabinet secretaries that there is protocol here. If they are incapacitated, uh, that has to be followed. And, and, again, I understand this desire for privacy, uh, but I think this was a mistake on the part of Secretary Lloyd Austin, a man who I deeply admire, greatly respect. This was a
9: mistake. It was. It was a mistake. And you see when, you know, tragic things happen like that, I'm sure the news took him and his family off guard and uh, set him back a bit. He forgot his he, he became human, fully human. And so it was a mistake. I'm hoping now that he very much U-turns and uses this as a teaching moment, particularly for the black community, since, you know, one in six black men uh, will be diagnosed with prostate cancer, you know, which is much higher than one in eight Um um, of the majority culture. So I am hoping that he now will take the time to not just make us aware of his diagnoses, but to, you know, to educate uh, all of us and and to ensure that Black men become more, you know, open about what's happening and go to the doctor um, and speak about it. And even he could even, you know, actually speak about his reticence to share his uh, diagnoses. And, you know, that could be a talking point to, you know, move all of us further along. So hopefully there will be some uh, get back with his fallback.
4: Um, absolutely. And so, again, uh, I hope, and, you know, of course, our prayers go to him, him and his wife, uh, as uh, he recovers uh, from prostate cancer as well. Uh, and so we certainly uh, appreciate that. Folks, today in Houston, excuse me, in Dallas, field Dallas's Concord Church, to honor former Congresswoman Ida Johnson. She died on New Year's Eve at the age of 89 she was remembered uh, as the first registered nurse ever elected to congress the first black chief psychiatric nurse at dallas's veterans affairs hospital and the first black woman to chair the house committee on science space and technology she also led the congressional black caucus as chair but her grandson remembered her as being granny
16: a few things that i want to share with you guys about my grandmother, I am Dorrance Kirk Johnson II. I am the oldest grandson of Betty Bernice Johnson, and I'm a pr- I'm so proud to be um, her oldest grandson. Um, one thing about Granny is that she had a very very good way of never ever letting me David or James think that we were the the favorite grandson. She found a way for all of us somehow to believe that we were the favorite grandson. I'm here to tell y'all now it was me. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about her influence and the way that she influenced my family and me and the way that we see and think and the way way, way we treat people. Um, And it was just when I was young Everybody would always be so in awe of her. They would, it always felt like they were looking up to her. And when she would come in the room, i tighten up. And I was just like, don't y'all understand that that's just granny? She was my grandmother, my granny. And so I, when I was so young, I just, I, it did not make sense to me. But I, I understand now. I, I get it now. And so, when I was a child, I thought like a child. But I have, I've lived this life, and I've seen her through all the things that she's done. I'm not a child anymore, and I can see it, I can feel it, I can taste it, and I miss it, and I want it back. Um, granny had a um, she had a way of. Being very, she was, a, she was a disciplinarian, contrary to popular belief. And um, my granny never, ever, ever once had to spank me. And if you know me, you know that's crazy. Uh, that's crazy. She never once had to spank me. It was just a look, it was just the thought of just disappointing her, was all that I needed. Now, the fact that granny didn't do spankings, that did not rub us. She didn't pass that down. My kids, I'm sorry. We, <laughs> we operate differently. I can't do that. Granny didn't get that to me. She took that with her. Um, but she had just the best way of being so fierce, but, it, but also so feminine. So powerful, but yet dainty. And she is the pure Pure epitome of class and elegance. She was a champion of education. She made sure that we always got our books. That was, it was huge. And she has three grandsons, college graduates. And I know she's proud of that. And she influences my children. And my daughters. And she gave my daughters a true role model to look up to. Check the
1: backseat.
2: Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat
16: I'll wrap up soon. Um, I have a few memories of Granny. Uh, Let's mention her driving. I remember Granny used to, uh, she used to put me in her lap and she would drive. She would drive around the neighborhood. This is back in the 80s, y'all. It was a long time ago. (laughs) Don't judge her. But she would put me, that was some of my earliest memories as a child. My grandmother would put me in her lap and she would drive. I (laughs) remember, I can't tell y'all that part. (laughs) But, it, but I did that to my children. I'm not going to lie in the 2000s, because Granny did it for me, so I did it for mine, too. Um, some of the memories I have, when she would come to our house for Christmas, she would come with a trunk load of poinsettias, and there would be poinsettias everywhere. And every time I ever see another poinsettia, I would think of my grandmother. But those type of memories, those things will never leave me. The lessons that she taught us will never leave. They will always be here. They will live on. Um, She has such a maternal instinct that I just, God, I just want to hug her one more time. Um, But her Her, her legacy will live on. I see her face in the faces of my children, of my daughters and my sons. The lessons that she has that she's given to my father, who have given them to me and my brothers, Um, those are things that will never leave us. And so as we celebrate her life, as we celebrate all the great things that she's done and all of her accomplishments, I just want you guys to understand how much she truly, truly, truly meant to this world. And we really, really lost one. She was one of one. There will never be another EBJ. There will never be another EBJ. We love you, Granny.
4: Folks, uh, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries also spoke at today's funeral.
5: Then I had to figure out where I was going to sit because there's no assigned seats in the CBC meeting. But you know, it's like church. You sit in the wrong place and you might have some challenges. So thankfully, I caught A. Bernice's eye and she said, sit right down next to me young man. And that's exactly what I did for years to come, getting the benefit of her wisdom, her warmth, her welcoming spirit. Now, in that first term, the chair of the CBC, she's now our great HUD secretary, was Marsha Fuzz. She said to Stephen Horsford and I, I want the two of you to preside over the CBC floor speech that occurs every Monday evening after votes. And so we said, yes, we didn't know what we were doing, y'all, but we said yes. And the thing about it is that the CBC floor speeches an hour Monday evening, people are all across town, not covered on CNN, not covered on MSNBC, not covered on BET, it's covered on C-SPAN. And so Stephen and I, we, we, we were never quite sure who exactly was paying attention but we could always count on three people. Stephen's mother, <laughs> my mother, and then Ebenice Johnson, our congressional mother. Uh, we were thankful for her always there for us as she has been for so many people.
4: Folks, if you want to see the full uh, funeral program, we live stream it today on the Black Star Network. Simply go to our YouTube channel, uh, go to our Black Star Network app. Uh, you can check it out uh, as well. Uh, she will be laid to rest tomorrow uh, at the Texas State Cemetery in Austin, Texas. When we come back, what's happening with the SWAT? Why are they admonishing Grambling for live streaming their basketball games on a black-owned platform? My man, Scotty Offscript, he'll be next to break it all down for us right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
11: This week on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, reparation, is it finally time? Two of the country's foremost authorities on the subject will join me to try to answer that very question. Powerful installment of The Black Table with me, Greg Carr, right here only on the Black Star Network.
10: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we're talking about the difficulty of being able to acquire wealth for Black Americans. My guest, Emily Flitter, is the author of The White Wall, how big finance is bankrupting Black America.
8: The bad stuff that you feel when you're dealing with the financial services industry is not your fault. It's not your fault. And you don't deserve to be treated like this. That's
10: right here on get wealthy only on black star network.
17: On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, people can't live with them, can't live without them. Our relationships often have more ups and downs than a boardwalk roller coaster, but it doesn't have to be that way.
8: Trust your gut.
9: Whenever your gut is like, this isn't healthy, this isn't right, I don't like the way that I'm being treated, this goes for males and females, Trust your gut, and then whenever that gut feeling comes, have a
17: conversation. Knowing how to grow or when to go—a step-by-step guide on the next a balanced life on Black Star Network. Hey,
0: it's John Murray, the executive producer of the new Sherry Shepard talk show. This is your boy Earthquake, and you're tuned into Roland Martin Unfiltered. <laughs>
4: Folks, there's drama in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. The SWAC, they are trying to crack down on schools, namely Gramley, streaming their basketball games. SWAC commissioner Dr. Charles McClellan sent this letter to Gramlin State University's interim president, Dr. Corrine Walton, informing her that the university will be sanctioned if the school's basketball games are streamed on the black-owned platform HBCU+. Now of course you know we have an arrangement with them, a third party arrangement when it comes to advertising. Uh, So this is the letter right here. Uh, They lay out in there that uh, they cannot negotiate any national deals uh, outside of the conference, that the conference has an existing agreement with HBCU Go. Uh, My man Scotty, the host of All Script, he joined us from Atlanta. He broke this thing down yesterday. Scotty, um, you you really went off. I I, I saw your broadcast and I said, hey, let's get him on to explain this. Uh, And so... What the hell is going on here? Because there's been a lot of back and forth between, uh, between the SWAT and Grambling, but also HBCU+.
3: Listen, it's, it, it's a boiling point that has been, you know, going back and forth, bickering in and, and, and the arguments. The thing for me is why now? Right. Grambling has had this deal for the past two years. You've never sent this letter. You haven't sent any uh, uh, you haven't sent any letters about uh, striking them or taking away their funds or, you know, banishing them from getting from getting uh, distributions from the conference. But now all of a sudden their head, their head guy, their chancellor, their president, who is a former lawyer. He leaves and goes to the ULS system, they have an interim in place, and then you slide this letter to the interim saying, hey, we need you to stop production with HBCU League Pass on the national platform. No, that's not what it is. That's, that's
4: shady. Okay, so here's what I'm uh, trying to understand here. Uh, watching your broadcast, you said that, how can the SWAT conference be attacking HBCU Plus and telling Grambling to stop when you name specific schools that stream their games on Facebook, that stream their games on YouTube. So if the conference has a deal with HBCU Go, where, and in the HBCU Go news, uh, in, the, in the news release, why aren't they streaming all of the games? HBCU Go can't produce
3: every game. They're, if, if anybody doesn't know what HBCU Go is, they're like Monday Night Football, right? They'll
4: put everything they have into one game. So, first of, all, H- first of all, HBCU Go is the HBCU platform that Byron Allen uh, purchased from Curtis Simons. Go ahead.
3: Absolutely correct. So, they have the rights to everything. I mean, they have the rights to video on the man, pay-per-view, uh, uh, broadcast, streaming, whatever you name it, they have it. But they don't have the production to show every game. So, Swac schools still have to do their own production. So you have schools like FAMU that puts their game on Facebook. You have schools like Southern and UAPB, which push their games behind a third-party paywall that are broadcast on internet. You have teams like a- Alabama a and and Alabama State who put their game uh, Mississippi Valley State who put their games on YouTube. So I'm confused. If you're, if you're trying to punish grambling for putting their thing on a national platform that means every school in the conference has to get punished for putting their games on national platforms and if you're telling me youtube's not a national platform roland martin you're not on a national platform i just i just i just i, just, I, want, I want to be clear
4: this is what i do I want to be clear okay now not only that not only that hold on you also said that southern in florida AM have deals where their games are streamed on other platforms, right?
3: Yeah, so FAMU streams theirs on Facebook, and Southern has a third-party platform that has, because none of these schools have built their own platforms to where you pay for it and then, no. So they go out. They get a third-party platform that hosts the game for them, and they put it behind a paywall. You pay to go watch, and it's on the Internet. So they stream it. Jackson State does it. UAPB does it. Prairie View does it. All these schools do it because that's the only way teams or or fans and alums will be able to see the game if you listen to the SWAC and says you can't put yourself on a national platform because HBCUGO cannot
4: produce all SWAC games. So, what do you what do you think is going on here?
3: I think that Dr. McClellan, because I call him a different name on my show, so I have to be respectful. Uh, Dr. McClellan has a vendetta against HBCU league pass, and it's because of them signing their secondary rights, Grambling signing their second secondary rights to HBCU league pass. Plus, so technically. HBCU Go has no rights to the streaming rights of Grambling. So that technically means they don't—they shouldn't have a deal in place because I can't make a contract with something that I don't own. And the SWAC does not own Grambling streaming rights. They have, if anybody knows what the Florida State and the ACC thing is because Florida State has a grant of rights. The SWAC does not do that. The SWAC and their bylaws does not have a grant of rights passage in their bylaws. So technically Grambling owns them and they can do as they see. That's why you see other teams and other schools do the same thing about putting it on YouTube, putting it on Facebook, putting it on any third party platform that is able to show their game.
4: Well, that's, also, that's why, I mean, last year, uh, for the longest, the Grambling Prairie View football game has never been broadcast. Well, then all of a sudden, a deal was struck uh, and the promoter uh, Al Wash allowed the game to be to be broadcast and streamed. Uh, the SWAT, and again I, I, I read the letter, but when you talk about who uh, who negotiates deals, the Grambling Southern game, the uh, Bayou Classic, the SWAT does not negotiate that deal. In fact, Grambling and Southern people don't even notice. Grambling and Southern pay NBC to air the game. So. When the SWAC says that only they can negotiate contracts with national outlets, you don't negotiate the Bayou Classic.
3: And it's a conference game, bro. That's
4: right. A of- it's, it's a SWAT conference game. A conference game.
3: So- wait, wait a minute.
4: The Prairie View Rambling Game, the, the uh, State Fair Classic in Dallas,
3: is a conference game. So, so once again, now you're getting in the ramifications of if you punish Gramlin for this that means there's a widespread of violations that have to come down over the, the entire SWAC and you're already in litigation for interfering with the HBCU uh, plus deal and now you're just adding more fuel to the fire of them to say you're still interfering with our deal uh- and they and roll, and the way they responded to the letter, oh, magnifique, I mean, the, the, the lawyers for Gramblin come back and say, hey, if we're violating something, show us in your bylaws. S- cite your bylaws and tell us what we're doing wrong. And they cc'd all the presidents and chancellors and say, hey, if we also get violated, then all of them should get violations, because all, we're all doing the same thing.
7: Uh, questions from the panel. Mustafa, you first. Yeah, so Scotty, thanks for everything you do and thanks for bringing this forward. So, are we moving toward litigation or do you think that they'll find some way of resolving this issue? So, HBCU League Pass Plus has
3: litigation against the SWAT currently. So, they're already in a, a, a litigation battle. What they're looking to do going forward is an emergency injunction to say, hey, Judge this is getting worse Look at what they're doing You know we had a deal in place We've been doing this deal for two years And now all of a sudden They want to come down on us On violations of broadcasting When every other school in the SWAC Does it outside of HBCU Go So I really think It just adds more fuel to the fire For HBCU League Pass And what they're trying to get accomplished
0: Uh Randy Check the backseat
2: Check the backseat right, come here
9: OK, yeah. Um, do you think this is more about money or power? You mentioned a personal vendetta. I, I am just confused why this infighting is occurring and disappointed as a HBCU graduate. I, I think it's
3: I, I, my good friend of mine, BJ, his dad said ego plus ego equals zero. And okay. I and I think and I think it's an ego battle of there's legal ramifications behind this. But I do think it's an ego battle because of Grambling telling the swack what it can and cannot do, right? You have guys at HBCU League Pass Plus who have ran billion dollar companies. You know what I'm saying? You have co-founders who have been part of the Warriors, been a part of Ebony. So they understand the media landscape. They understand what you can and cannot do rights wise. And they're telling the commissioner, hey, you can't do this. This is not legal. There is no ramp, there's no bylaw that says you can do this. Right. So I think it's that. And then you get if you're if I'm a commissioner in a position that I don't know the media rights, then I, why am I in this position? Well, I mean, everybody, if you look at the landscape of college football, most commissioners are the, the focal points of big media deals. So you're telling me, how are you in a position where you don't understand media rights?
4: All right. Well, uh, did, now, did, did gramblings, lawyers give a swack a few days? Because You said in your broadcast, they gave them, what, three days to respond? Absolutely.
3: They gave him three days to respond. That was on January 8th. Yesterday, uh, I talked to uh, co-founder Hardy Pelt earlier this morning, said no response. So we'll see where it goes from here. If if Gremlin still decides to show the games or if they're just saying, hey, we'll just take it straight litigation and we'll fight that battle. But this is definitely something to keep an eye on because it could get really bad for the swack really quick.
4: All right. Folks, uh, follow uh, Offscript uh, on YouTube, all the social media platforms as well. Uh, check his show out, Scott, I appreciate it, thanks a lot. I appreciate it, bro. All right, folks, gotta go to break. We come back, we're gonna talk about a class action lawsuit against a former advertiser of this show uh, that had a, uh, a cannabis company uh, that the SEC has hit them with fraud. We'll explain to you all of that when we come back right here on Roller Mountain Filters on the Blackstar Network.
9: Next on The Frequency, we're talking black women in fashion. My guest, Renee Wilson, is speaking on the challenges of starting her own fashion line. So
10: I wanted to really be able to design the clothes, but add a modern twist to it so that we could wear these patterns in everyday wear and not just reserve it for our formal ceremony.
14: That's next
17: on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, people can't live with them, can't live without them. Our relationships often have more ups and downs than a boardwalk roller coaster, but it doesn't have to be that way.
9: Trust your gut. Whenever your gut is like, this isn't healthy, this isn't right, I don't like the way that I'm being treated, this goes for males and females, Trust
13: your gut, and then whenever that gut feeling comes,
9: have a conversation. Knowing how to grow or
17: when to go, a step-by-step guide on the next A Balanced Life on Blackstar Network.
13: Grow your business or career with Grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training, and tools. Gain in-demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high-growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers, get on a path to in-demand jobs, and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program or all six. Earn a Google career certificate to prepare for a job in a high growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31st, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job ready and qualify for in-demand jobs.
16: Carl Payne
4: pretended to be Roland Martin. Holla! You ain't
16: gotta wear black and gold every damn place,
0: okay? Ooh, I'm an alpha, yay! All right, you're 58 years old. It's over.
4: Then so you are
3: now watching
0: Roland Martin
4: Unfiltered.
3: Uncut, unplugged, and
16: undamn believable. All
4: right, folks, if you are a regular watcher of this show and if you were one of the people who invested uh, in transatlantic real estate or 420 real estate, uh, you definitely want to pay attention. Uh, a couple of years ago, the remember remember they were they advertised with us. They would advertise it with us in 2019. 2019 first it was transatlantic and then 420 real estate. There were two separate. Uh, cannabis uh, projects. Uh, Again, they were an advertiser. Uh, We didn't have any part of the business. We're not involved in the business. Uh, We simply did live reads uh, for uh, this particular company. Well, uh, the SEC a couple of years ago actually uh, charged them um, with fraud. Uh, And so the SEC, this is the lawsuit right here. The SEC hit hit them with, uh, and this here is the uh, press release uh, that was set out. SEC charges crowdfunding portal, issuer and related individuals for fraudulent offerings. Uh, and so uh, they, they hit, uh, they, uh, the SEC complaint, they targeted Robert Shumake, uh lawyer Nicole Birch and Willard Jackson. It says they conducted fraudulent and unregistered crowdfunding offerings through two cannabis and hemp companies, Transatlantic Real Estate LLC and 420 Real Estate LLC. It says the complaints allege that Shoemake and Birch Birch raised $1,020,100 from retail investors through transatlantic real estate and Shoemake and Jackson raised $888,180 through 420 real estate. It says Shoemake, Birch, and Jackson allegedly diverted investor funds for personal use rather than using the funds for the purposes disclosed to investors. They also targeted uh, the... The, funding, the crowdfunding portal, uh, True Crowd, and its CEO, Vincent Petrescu. Uh, and so that was the, that was the, that was the SEC action uh, that was right there. So let me unpack for you how that even began to happen. So it was around January 2020 uh, when uh, I had uh, reached out to our uh, accounts uh, payables. I said, who owes us money? Well, they'd owed us money for four months. And I said, well, we're not doing any more ads if you still owe us money. And so what then began to happen, I began to ask questions of Robert shoemaker as well as, Willard Jackson. Again, there were two different entities, Transatlantic as well as 420. Uh, and so began to ask them a series of questions. I did not like the answers. I was getting a run around, I was getting from shoemaker, oh, well we can pay you with a new campaign for the old campaign. I was like, hell no, ain't gonna be no new campaigns when you still owe for the old campaign. And so this was going, so this this was January 2020, and it goes into February, it goes into March, uh, and it goes in, into April. Uh, And so what then began to happen was, uh, and so again, we're we're sitting here watching this whole thing play out, um, uh, watching this and not getting answers. And so when I started getting these, the answers that I was getting, I did not like the answers uh, that I was getting because frankly, they were not making uh, any sense to me. And so I then began uh, to press them further. I began to ask more questions. Uh, to begin to uh, demand demand more answers, and as that continued, well, it kept going and going, and then it just simply wasn't making any sense to me. And so uh, I think we got to, down to it. Probably was um, around May or so. Me, yeah, it was it, it was it was in May, where because I was getting text messages from Robert Shumate. And again, was not making sense? I began to put pieces together. Now here's the whole deal. Uh, When you let a journalist start operating as an investigative reporter, then you're gonna have a problem. Uh, And so I would never forget, it was like a Thursday and I'm sitting here looking at these text messages and and these emails and and I'm like, this stuff is not making any sense. And so I, I then, so what then was a Friday night I then, they had a company called Banji, B-A-N-G-I. They were sort of this parent company, and on the board of Banji was Matthew Knowles, who was, uh, of course, uh, Matthew Knowles, Beyonce's father, Hill Harper, Ray J was supposedly uh, an advisor, and so I called them. It was like midnight. It's like they had no idea what the hell was going on. Uh, Talked to Hill, talked to Ray J. Matthew called me the next day. Matthew had invested $100,000 into the company. They couldn't account for the funds. And so that weekend, I'm all of a sudden doing research. So then I find out that Nicole Birch, she owned the company and then takes it over. So I track her down and then begin to call her on the phone. So I'm now sensing, you know what? This stinks, but I gotta be able to put stuff together. So I then begin to send the emails, go to my iPad. And so this is what you see. So I then begin to put together and I begin to email all these different people and who were on here and i began to hit them so as you see you see right here uh you see you know answers or you see uh M- M- matthew Knowles. you see hill harper response you see me telling robert shoemake uh his answer was 100 percent bullshit uh i said you text me about the shield you lean on the alpha shield now your hands off this is foul and i remember all of this and so i'm hitting all of them now i'm being now i'm asking questions now you see right here uh, me breaking down, so you see him saying, oh, the people who invest in Transatlantic, they're gonna have their money converted to Bonji stock, and then you see this, and then you see him saying Nicole Birch is the owner and CEO who controls Bungie. Uh she on the board, blah, 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 and so then you see me ask these questions. Who owns Bonji? Who controls Bonji? Is Nicole Birch the CEO? Robert, what is your former role with the company? Uh, is Neil Parson the chairman and CEO? I again ask him about, about these board members. And then he had this other crowdfund, Green Growth. I say, is Nikita McAllister COO of Green Growth? Is she your sister and senior pastor of a church in Rhode Island? I see the Ebony Foundation canceled a cannabis conference for April 27th, how they related to Bonji. I start going through all of this and begin to put all of these things together. And then you see me right here and I say, Robert and Willard, I am pissed. Not because you owe me $60,000, because you use my platform and viewers to raise money for this crowd fund and clearly aren't answering questions of the folks who have invested. Now I have more questions. I said, I went to marijuanastock.org and scrolled to the bottom and saw all of the folks who have been trying to get questions and answered for months about their investment. I just talked to Ray J. He said that you showed him a long list of individuals who gave $200 and up to invest. These are folks who are viewers, black folks, hardworking black folks. My retired parents invested $200. Uh, ever since we stopped doing ads for January for non-payment, you've been trying to get me to do a new crowdfunding campaign. And so I'm hitting, uh, again, all these questions. Well, let me tell you what happened. And so then what then happens is, so Willard Jackson was, he was one of the owners of Ebony Magazine. Well, then the people who owed their debt took over. So Blueprint Capital, Jacob Walltower. they then began to start looking into the transactions. So basically, what was happening is they were seeing that money from this crowd fund was being used to pay Ebony bills. Yeah. So I then began to communicate with Jacob. Jacob and his team alerted the SEC. So the SEC launched an investigation. I actually. Testify before them. My email chain basically led to the SEC investigation, which is why I put the entire email chain together. I was not trusting anything I was hearing from Robert Shumake, uh Nicole Birch, or Willard Jackson. If y'all have Robert and Willard's photos, put them up. Uh, and so I've never met Nicole Birch, uh, but uh, I've talked to her numerous times on the phone. This is the video. Come on, go, come on, guys. Uh, this here is a video of Robert shoemaker uh, who's out of Detroit, uh, and uh, has been involved in all kinds of different stuff as well. And I've since, and I've had other people who have been, who have emailed us. Wanting information on the investment, I have emailed Robert Willard and Nicole, demanding that they give these people answers to uh, to exactly uh, what is uh, to to actually uh, what is uh, going on. Uh, And so, what you have found is that the SEC then came back uh, and hit um, Willard Jackson, Nicole Birch. Uh, and Shoemake uh, uh, with uh, with deals where they have to pay up. I'm gonna pull up in a second. Now, Shoemake is still fighting it. Nicole Birch and Willa Jackson, don't don't, don't go there yet, Nicole Birch and Willa Jackson uh, agreed uh, to pay a significant amount of money. Uh, Now, one of our uh, viewers, who I've been corresponding over the last couple of years about this, has launched a class action lawsuit. They join us right now. Uh, and so Jeff Carter is the founder and CEO of Accounts, Receivables, and Revenue Cycle Consulting, LLC. He joins us out of California with his attorney, uh, Tony Bell. Uh, Jeff, glad to have you and Tony here. And uh, the, the thing here is this constant run around, run around from all of these, from, from Robert Shumake, uh, from Willard, from Nicole. And the reality is the SEC says they were engaged in fraudulent activity.
18: It it was crazy. First of all, thanks for doing this, because I know a lot of us that were looking at this as a legitimate way to get to a space where we could start generating that generational wealth uh, were more than disappointed. And the fact that it was done on a reputable show like yours just made it even worse, because he knew that there were so many of us that depend on you for our news, to get our stories out. He comes in and tries to use you as some type of hostage to, to to steal our money. Um, when I first started sniffing around, things didn't make sense. I made a phone call to the to the phone number that they provided, and I asked the young lady on the phone. I said, "Now that the now that the maturity date has passed, are they going to be offered an IPO?" And, uh, was the initial public offering. She didn't know what an IPO was. That was the first red flag. She she then tried to tell me that the maturity date was 18 months and I corrected her and said, no, according to the paperwork you provided, it's only 12. She said, well, we're going to have somebody give you a call. I waited a day, waited two days, nothing happens. So I start sending emails and that's when I first reached out to you, Roland, about Asking, had you heard of anybody else having these issues? And you, you let me know that there were there were a couple people and things just weren't weren't feeling right. And at the time, with so many things that were going on, I didn't have uh, a lot of time to dedicate to it. I was in law schools, running a company, taking care of the family, and things like that. But it always stayed in my mind, and we started doing more and more research.
1: Took.
18: The information you and I discussed, well, you've seen what the SEC has done with it.
4: Right, and I, and I want to show that right now. So uh, this is January 3rd, 2022. The SEC obtained a final judgment against uh, against um, Nicole Birch, against uh, CEO Vincent P- P- Petrescu, uh, and they hit them, the judgment, that civil penalties of uh, $200,000, uh, $9,700 and 97, against Birch, Petrescu and True Crowd to True Crowd, disgorgement including prejudgment interest of 600,000 against Birch and 129,000 against True Crowd. Uh, Birch is barred of, as a, to be an officer and a director on, on a company. Uh, they are also agreed Birch was permanently suspended from appearing and practicing before the SEC as an attorney. She prohibits prohibited from representing clients in SEC matters including investigations, litigation or examinations. Petrescu was suspended from appearing and practicing before the SEC as an accountant, which includes not participating in financial reporting and audits of public companies. Now, this says the SEC's litigation against shoemaker Jackson, and 420 uh, real estate continues. But that was also a settlement there. I'm going to pull up in a second. So Will Jackson agreed to a settlement, but Robert shoemaker is still fighting. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. So once we
18: found that out, I, I wanted to take some steps to make the people who invested their hard money, hard-earned money, into this scheme whole again. One of the things that my mother told me when I was young, and I I always prayed that it wasn't true, that you won't always necessarily have to worry about what the palm-colored man will do to you. You might have to worry about what the man who looks like you will do. All skinfolk and kinfolk, Reese said it, I believe it couldn't find an attorney that was willing to take this on, because I don't think they they really took the time to investigate like, you know, we had to find out what was going on, because there are so many different layers and so many companies and shell companies connected to this that, had they taken the time, it would have been OK. Well, I already mentioned that I was in law school, and I, I had a, a... We weren't in the same class, but I knew who he was, uh, a brilliant law student who was later then brought on to the faculty for that school and has now opened up uh, his own firm. And when I approached him, I was thinking, OK, I'm going to get turned down. But a part of me knew that I was led to him for a reason. He was also a pastor. He may also still be a pastor. Tony, correct me if I'm wrong. And and the name of his firm, um, is to me, is Providence because it's exactly what we're trying to do. We are trying to take this bad situation and make those who took advantage of us pay for what they did. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of how Tony's going to do it. I just know that when he agreed to take the case, um, it was a weight off my shoulder, and I was thinking, OK, this is great. That's when I then got a hold of uh, you, Roland, so we could announce it once we got everything set up. So.
4: Tony, if you want to, you know. Right, I'm going to go Tony in a second. And see, so here's the thing that that, that pissed me off. What pissed me off was, and I said to Robert, I said to Willard, I said to Nicole, I said, how dare y'all do this to black people? I said, how dare black people, and, and, and it's in all the emails, and I made it clear, I'm going to get all of you. I said, we're going to expose all of you. That's why I began to put the email chain together. I've had people in the last couple of years email me saying, hey, what happened to those guys, what's going on? And I was, I literally have said, no, no, put the emails, uh, no, this is their email, this is their phone number, call them. Uh, and so uh, and so. it was this constant, this game where, oh, let's do Transatlantic Real Estate, let's do 420 Real Estate, let's do Green Growth, had the same CEO, it was all, all BS. Now, now Shoemake uh, says that, oh, I, I, I wasn't involved as an officer, or anything along those lines, uh, I was just doing marketing, uh, 420 was Willard Jackson, and Nicole Birch, Transatlantic was her company. I said, yeah, but you're the one who is tied to all of this as well. Uh, and I was just that was just two days ago texting him because another woman has been demanding answers. Uh, and, the thi- and, and the thing here, Tony, is that uh, all this sort of back and forth, the SEC lays it out. The SEC lays out the fraud that was involved. Uh, and, and so, and the other reason why I wanted to create the paper trail was because I knew if the S- SEC hit them with judgments, then they would be collecting the money and there would be a way for folks to be able to get their money back.
19: You know, Roland, I spoke with the SEC about this in particular, and it's great, the groundwork that they placed. Uh, They laid a strong foundation of informing the public of exactly what these guys were doing, and they even got some orders. Uh, According to the SEC, they haven't seen uh, very much of that money paid to them, and they also made it clear that Uh, the money that is coming in from the disgorgements is not necessarily going to be seen by the victims. Uh, That money is going to go to pay some fines and uh, things at the SEC. And then they said if there's anything that is left over, then at that point they're going to see about how to get money to the people. And so this is what is so offensive to me, because here we have a couple thousand families who have worked so hard to try to overcome financial barriers and uh, to try to create a, a, a legacy for their families in the society that is so repressive of black and brown families. And so these people have worked hard. They get together some money, you know, maybe a few hundred dollars. And then they decide, well, we are going to invest just a little bit so that we can hopefully create a better future for our families.
4: Yeah, because because, because their whole here de- was their whole deal. We're gonna use this money to buy uh, to buy land, cannabis projects, and then eventually take these companies public. Folks will be able to own stock. Uh, and it was all, all this sort of back and forth. And then again, and when the lies, and it was just lie, and, and like, the, the tipping point literally was this here. The tipping point was when Robert shoemaker tried to get me to start doing a third crowdfund to pay what he owed from the second crowdfund. and I was like, you are out of your damn mind. It, I mean, I, I could show y'all the text message. Well, I cussed his ass out. Well, I was like, ain't no way in hell that's going to happen. Uh, and then it was, the, it was this all, and then that's when the whole deal was. There's this other company, Green Growth, and he sends me, to about uh, get on the call with the COO. I find out that's his sister. It was all kind of BS, and that's when I said, I'm going to bust
19: all y'all asses. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And because it's not fair to the thousands of families, you know. They've, uh, they were trying to just do something good, and these guys are the ones who victimized them even more, when they should have been the ones who are supporting. So that's exactly why we're starting this class action, uh, one, because a lot of the disgorgements from the SEC, if they even receive that money, is not going to be seen by these families. And uh, it's only fair that these families get uh, uh, recompensed for the damages that they've experienced.
4: So if there's somebody out there who's watching and listening and they were part of this, uh, how do they, they wanna be a part of this class action lawsuit, what must they do?
19: Yes, we encourage you to call 888-680-8322 or they can go to www.420relawsuit.com. Again, it's 888-680-8322 or www.420relawsuit.com.
4: And just so folks, uh, again, if you go to my iPad, this is the SEC lawsuit. It says Shoemaker and Birch offered and sold securities of transatlantic real estate from September, 2018 through May, 2019. Schumacher and Willard Jackson offered and sold securities of 420 real estate from May 2019 uh, through June 2020. It says right here, Shumak was the driving force behind both offerings, but he kept his participation secret in order to hide a past criminal conviction arising from a mortgage fraud scheme. Schumacher convinced Birch to act as the chief executive officer and sole member of Transatlantic Real Estate and convinced Jackson to act in the same roles for 420. Uh, and, so, uh, and so it lays out here uh, how they did it. Uh, and it says they diverted hundreds of thousands of dollars from the offerings proceeds for their personal benefit. None of the money raised in either offering was used to acquire or improve, can- to improve cannabis real estate. Uh, none of the investors in either crowdfunding offering has received any return on their investment and few investors have recovered any of the funds uh, that they invested, and so uh, I made I made it clear. And so for, for folks to understand, uh, again, this was a, this was all a buildup. It was it was going for the SEC, testifying, putting all this stuff together. Uh, but I I knew when they kept lying to me in early 2000 uh, in 21, and when I began to put that email chain together, and what was fascinating, all these fools were actually answering. And so I start linking the paymaster. I literally went through all the board members and started adding their emails. And like if y'all, I'm telling you, if y'all see this here, it was hilarious uh, as I was just going through. And I'm talking about, this was an entire weekend. They pissed me off so much. I was hitting them the entire weekend. uh, And even to the point of, who the paymaster was, and then he responded. Then that was a guy who who made claim did that did an audit of their books, and the guy was like, "No, I wouldn't even accept their packages." Uh, this thing went on and on and on, just laid it out uh, in 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 like like you, you, you might see in here, folks. Uh, you might see uh, in here uh, where go go to my iPad where I sat here and said, uh, "Parsons," I searched Parsons' name on Twitter, I came across one of your shareholders. She goes by the name of. Uh, M- uh, Magika Alpha, she's been asking a number of questions. as documented from October 19, 2019. Listen, Nicole Birch as the CEO of Banji. I said then, that was an investor call on February 6, 2020. Parson mentioned a $15 million offering needs to be approved by the SEC. Listed all this sort of stuff. Well, we now know. Nicole Birch, who I talked to directly, who was like, Roland, these people going to get their money back. Nicole, you lied. Nicole Birch, you're a liar. Now, here's the deal. I can't show her face because I've never met her, and so I don't know if the photo that we have of Nicole Birch, B-I-R-C-H, is correct, but I made it perfectly clear I was gonna out her trifling ass. Uh, showed the video again of Robert Shoemake, and yes, Robert Shoemake is an alpha. He can absolutely go to hell too, and so I said I'm gonna call him out as well uh, and put him out there, show the photo of Willard Jackson. Uh, pull up Willard's photo, Willard of course Willard, Willard, of course, uh, Willard, of course, ran Ebony Magazine, uh, and um, uh, we dealt with Willard uh, again. And like I said, Matthew Knowles was on the board. Uh, they took $100,000 of Matthew Knowles money, uh, and Matthew Knowles uh, never, uh, never got uh, that money back. And so uh, this is uh, this here uh, is Willard Jackson. Uh, And so uh, I've made it clear, I've made it clear uh, to all of them that I was going to do this story, and they were like, oh, they've been trying. Oh man, you know, don't go there yet. No, the reality is, y'all screwed black people. And again, uh, Birch and Willard Jackson have settled. Shoemake is still fighting uh, claims that all charges were dismissed. Jeff, you say that's not true.
18: No, it, it's not true. As a matter of fact, the SEC has uh, plans on the Pacer website, which is a public access to sort of uh, court electronic records. Um, they show it. And, and Roland, if you have it, I I, uh, I sent it to you in a text that they have future dates set up for appearances. They have a, they already have a date scheduled for the trial in 2025. So if he thinks that this is somehow dismissed. He must be smoking what he was supposed to be. What he was supposed to be growing, and he not only messed with your company. Uh, what was it? The 420 real estate lady in Colorado.
4: Yeah, yeah. So that was a 420. Same name of the company. And matter of fact, she had sent me an email, and I was like, yep. "You need to hit them, folks."
18: Yep. And what was it? He he told he sent you a response to my request for money that. Oh, well, have him call this number. Well, I responded that the number didn't work. Then he says, provide his banking information, and I'll give him a refund. I'm thinking, you, 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 must, you must really be smoking that really good kush, because if you think I'm giving you my bank account information, you're a damn fool. You have already ripped me off, several thousand other brothers and sisters off who are just trying to, you know, get into, get into a space where we can generate some generational wealth. And you want me to do this? No. Enough was enough. Tony was good enough to come in and say, I'm, I'm, I want to come on board. I think this is a good cause. I think we can help a whole lot of people and make these people actually pay. Now, Shoemaker also has another lawsuit out there. The viewers may have seen that, that flag he was flying a few moments ago, something about a church. <laughs> he, he's been sued by the city of Detroit. They locked his church. Um, his sacraments are um, psychedelic mushrooms.
4: Uh, yeah, he's now calling himself a shamu? Yeah,
18: yeah. He, he's a, he's a, supposedly a shaman now. And his name is, was it J- J- Jaffa, Jaffa uh, Samuel Jaffa or something like that. Look, I don't know what type of child. Yeah,
4: Shaman Bobby Shu. Yeah, OK. And he's actually following me on Instagram. Mm, you're not going to get a follow back. <laughs> he needs
18: to go back. We need to go back to old school. He, he, he needs his ass work. I mean, with a racetrack, with an ironing cord, something. Because this boy is just completely out of pocket. And I do believe that the way Tony's going to be taking this, that there will be some recompense for people who will actually harmed. This won't be one of those things where, you know, you sign up for it and, you're forgotten. That's not going to happen. We've been tracking this thing since, like Roland said, 2019. We're not going to stop until this comes to a resolution that everybody can live with.
4: All right. Tony, again, if folks want to uh, be a part of the class action lawsuit, what do they call? 888-680-8322. So 888
19: 680
4: two. All right, gentlemen, we appreciate it, uh, and uh, keep us abreast of the class action lawsuit. Thank we'll you so much. Appreciate
18: Roland. it. I'll be good. Thanks.
4: All right, folks, I'll be right back on Rolling Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network.
17: On the next, a balanced life with me, Dr. Jackie. Just who do you think you are? And maybe more importantly, who is it that you think you're? trying to please the answer to that second question is really wrapped up in the first think about that being the true authentic you no matter the circumstance but we learn the art of forgiveness not only of forgiving one another but forgiving ourselves and we also learn how to love ourselves so that we can love each other that's next on a balanced life here on black star network
10: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we're talking about the difficulty of being able to acquire wealth for Black Americans. My guest, Emily Flitter, is the author of The White Wall how big finance is bankrupting Black America.
8: The bad stuff that you feel when you're dealing with the financial services industry is not your fault. It's not your fault and you don't deserve to be treated like this.
10: That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network.
13: business or career with grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training and tools. Gain in-demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace, complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers, get on a path to in-demand jobs and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program or all six. Earn a Google career certificate to prepare for a job in a high-growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job-ready and qualify for in-demand jobs.
17: Hello, I'm Paula J. Parker. Judy Proud on The Proud Family. Louder and Prouder on Disney+. And you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. <laughs>
4: Before I go to Mustafa and Randy, go to my iPad. This here, y'all, uh, this is the SEC obtaining a final judgment uh, against uh, Willard Jackson and 420 Real Estate. You see here, it says without, you said, uh, they filed this against Shoemake and Jackson, uh, alleged that they raised $888,180 from retail investors through 420 Real Estate. Shoemaker with assistance from Jackson, hid his involvement in the offering. Uh, they accused them of diverting investor funds. Now, without admitting or denying the allegation of the complaint, Jackson and 420 Real Estate consented to the entry of final judgments, permanently enjoining them from violating the registration provisions. Uh, uh, Jackson agreed to a civil penalty of $360,000, disgorgement, including pre judgment interest of $306,913 uh, and $477,000 against 420 Real Estate. Uh, as well as uh, them. So they obtained, it says the SEC previously obtained final judgments against defendants True Crowd, Vincent, Vincent Petrescu and Nicole Birch. The SEC litigation continues against Robert Shoemake. See, this is, uh, this is, and again, just so y'all know, and, and I made it clear to them, I was gonna show y'all, okay? This is Willa Jackson. I know Willard from Houston, he used to, these with the company when they ran Ebony Magazine uh, and Willard needs to do right by black people uh, because they screwed over black people when it came to this money. Show Robert Shoemake, Robert, I told you directly, even as of two days ago, y'all need to do right by black people and stop playing games with black people uh, and y'all need to sit here and uh, pay them the money that y'all actually, uh, you know, how y'all abuse black people. And that's what really pisses me the most off here, uh, Mustafa. Uh, These were black people who they were targeting and these are black people who did it and shame on them.
7: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, we know how difficult it is in our communities to be able to build wealth, build generational wealth, to have our own, you know, defrauding uh, folks inside of our community. is just unacceptable. And, you know, I hope that the full letter of the law plays out. I hope that everybody who invested gets their money back, and I hope that this also doesn't put a bad taste in people's mouth uh, about making investments. Um, You know, we have to do our due diligence to the best of our ability um, when researching companies or, you know, future opportunities. But, you know, we just also got to do a better job of loving each other. We should never, ever, you know, do anything to hurt black people. We know all the hurdles that already exist. So, you know, let's just continue to do what we can to make sure that those who love our community, that we lift them up. And for those who don't, that we hold them accountable. You
4: know, and, and I, Randy, I sat here and I talked to Nicole Birch numerous times and she kept saying how, oh, she's going to make sure people get their money back or whatever. And she kept putting the blame on him. I'm like, yeah, but your name are all these documents. Your name is on here. And the SEC says that you use money for personal gain. So my whole deal is I don't want to hear shit from Nicole Birch, from Robert Shoemake, from Willa Jackson. You screw black people, you should be paying them back. And what you did is you leave a sour taste because yeah, it's already hard. When we talk about it, it's hard trusting black folks and doing business with the black folks. And again, for us, when, when advertisers come to us, people who have products and things along those lines, you want to be able to trust that. I, you know, again, you know, we don't have any control over any product. So even if somebody has a takes takes an ad out, look, that's a company I bought, that not black-owned, but I bought some shoes from. I love the shoes. Look, I've been waiting for three pairs since October. They've damn near gone belly up. It's out of Canada. I've been emailing some other people who've done stories on them. And so unfortunately, these things happen. But again, what pisses me off with Nicole Burke, Robert Shoemaker, and Willa Jackson, they did it to black people.
9: Right. Well, I first have to say, you know, there is a a revered Negro uh, proverb that says, you don't mess with the wrong one. (laughs) And they messed with the wrong one, Roland. When they had, when they dealt with you and tried to get over you, so I'm very thankful that you are, you know, watching this and bringing it to light. Because, you know, I can't. I'm with you. I'm absolutely disgusted at anybody who would take advantage of black people, particularly as we try to build generational wealth and take risk that we're. It's oftentimes not comfortable with taking. We already, you know, live in a situation where we don't trust many around us. We really need to trust our own. So, it, it, I am, I am glad it sounds like they're going to get their due. That due justice is going to come through. And I really appreciate that you cared enough to bring this to light to everybody, and you cared enough to keep going on and and pursuing what was happening. So, you know. Bravo to that. Uh, we're gonna
4: call you Roland Matlock. Oh, I, I, I was. Let me tell. I'm telling you. When, 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 when they kept when, when Robert kept lying and they kept lying, I was like, hold up. I'm like I, 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 I'm telling you. I will I never forget. It was like a Thursday and a Friday night, and I was like, you know what? Y'all really pissing me off, and I'm tired of this lying. And so, and, and so, about. I grabbed my laptop. I grabbed my laptop, and I started. And I'm telling you, I. Shoot, when they talk about go down a rabbit hole, or oh, I went down a rabbit hole, and I was pulling everybody up. And I started adding folks to the emails, and I knew, I'm telling you, I knew as I was doing it. I knew, and I said it. I said, you know what, I think this is fraud. And I said, and the only way to deal with fraud is, I gotta create a paper trail. And so, that's why I started, so that whole email chain And I'm telling, you, in fact, one of my lawyers, when we testified for the SEC, we were preparing, he said, he used to work for the SEC. He said, shit, I wish you were one of my investigators. He said, when I saw that email chain, he he was like, damn, you went after everybody, because I wanted everybody on record. And the crazy thing is, they were all talking. So the SEC was able to use their actual words against them to get this judgment. So, uh, yeah, and, and I ain't done. I, I'm, and I'm going to keep pressing, and I'm telling you right now, don't let me cross any of these people publicly. I'm just letting y'all know right now, if y'all don't like curse words, go ahead, keep moving, because I'm going to cuss them smooth the hell out, all three of them. All three of them. I'm, I'm just letting them know right Don't. If they see me, just go to the other side of the room, cross the street, but don't even come say hi, because I'm telling you, it ain't gonna go well.
9: Yeah,
4: do us a favor and film it. I not hey, I don't know. If we can film that thing, but they they, <laughs> they 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 gonna get they they gonna get lit. And I'm just not I'm just not playing this game with them. And and like I say, and Willow's like, well, I ain't know that was rock now, now, damn all that. I saw i i I pulled the documents <coughs> of the paymaster and how funds were going in and out of the account. I pulled those documents they had the wrong one. you can't lie to me you can't lie to me I don't want to hear it, so they busted so uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually uh create um uh, a graphic and we'll uh, do that so any will remind folks if they want to participate in the class action lawsuit what phone number to call um i had other stuff i wanted to get to um i can't get i was going to talk about that ignaz uh elise stefanik uh, calling january 6th folks hostages out another day uh so uh, we are out of time but uh randy mustafa i certainly appreciate it thank you so very much Thank you. Folks, uh, that is it for us. Don't forget us. You want to support us in what we do. Um, Look, we out here trying to do what's right for our people, uh, covering the stories that matter. Um, But if you do, if you're out here screwing black people and you're talking down on black people and doing wrong, we we, we gonna gonna bust you out. I got another story that I'm working on uh, about a lawyer who's getting a lot of money off of a settlement, uh, but has some foul stuff to say about black folks on the podcast so i'll let you know when i roll out with that story uh but uh, trust me that's we're working on that as we speak uh and so um so be sure to check us out all right folks uh you want to join our bring the Fuck fan club so you're checking money over the p.o box 57196 washington dc 20037-0196 cash App is dallas Sound, rm unfiltered paypal r martin unfiltered venmo is rm unfiltered zeo rolling at rolandsmartin.com rolling at rolling you also of course You can download the Blackstone Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung, Smart TV. Uh, And be sure to of course, watch our 24 hour streaming channel on Plex TV, uh, on Amazon Freebie, uh, on Prime Video. You can also um, watch us on Amazon News. Go to Amazon Fire and and check it out. All right, folks, I'll see you tomorrow right here on Rollerboard Unfiltered. Holla! Mm-hmm. Live Star Network is... Oh, no punch! I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Uh,
3: thank you for being the voice of Black America. All the momentum we have now, we have to keep this